everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Nonny podcast brought to you in association with Workforce Dimensions Limited. As always, got a couple of good interviews for you lined up this week. As always, I'm John Phipps and on the line now is a man who in his debut on Blind Laura Cricket 96 was skittled out for an embarrassing 23. Matt Gerrard, how are you? And I'm getting a little bit better. Um, I've got over 100 so and, and I'm waiting to see if a batsman gets a 50. Does he raise his bat? The highest I've got was a fine knock by John Creepy Crawley, who got 31 <laughs> against Australia. I don't really like, to be honest, I don't really like bowling. So all I do is try and bat and then just reset the game and keep going. Because the bowling bit's a bit boring, isn't it, really? I don't know if you remember that game. I have similar because I play uh, Cricket 19 on, on the Xbox. And uh, yeah, very similar. I, I really enjoy the batting. I've got a bit of a problem because I had the batting on like a sort of easy setting. Not the easiest, but an easier one. And uh, I was slaying it to all parts. And then I decided I was getting a bit bored of just being able to whack every ball. So I've, I've put it up a notch of difficulty to medium. And I'm finding the transition very, very difficult. It's safe to say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I got there in the end. So... I'm hopeful that um, when I get time to play it, because I don't want to play it all the time, because I do have other things to do, really. Well, not that, no, that I'm not working, but, it, you know, that's best from there. But, yeah, it's, it's quite an enjoyable game. It's a way to um, while away a few minutes. But it's amazing how, you you know, I'll play half an hour, an hour and a half later, you're still trying to get a 50 and you've got to move on. So um, you can see why these things were made to, to be addictive, really, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, my play, on my cricket nineteen, uh, my player got two hundred and forty-five, which is my uh, which is my best effort so far. Uh, but as I say, that was. Does he raise his back when he gets a fifty each time? Oh yeah, all sorts. Yeah, and like they shake hands with their partner when they've put an hundred and stuff, and and all sorts. Oh, well, that's impressive. So yeah, but yeah, it's not too bad. But the weather was so nice at the weekend. I've, I've done more DIY in the last few days than I've probably done in my high life, like digging holes, mending benches soaring up wood so um yeah it's you know the weather was beautiful at the weekend it was, was pretty miserable yesterday but um apart from that yeah surviving on so i'm not working now till the first of may so i have been furloughed so um we'll wait to see how that goes on from there really yeah so i mean i'm just i'm losing the will to live here slowly to be honest i'm uh at the end of my sort of, no, not really at the end of my tether i'm just bored now I, I just want to get back to a bit of normality i know obviously we can't i know why we can't um and uh, you know i'm completely backing the social distancing and, and the lockdown and everything but the the fact of the matter is i am just Board. I mean, the, the the sort of things that have been going on in in my house this week. We had the the, the debate about whether this is a beard or not has continued. Uh, we had a, a very surprisingly impassioned debate about Ben Stokes's eligibility for England, uh, which went on for for quite some time. Uh, Where do you stand on that then? Well, as far as I'm concerned, he's, he, he feels English. He says he's English. He wants to play for England. Um, Haley, with her limited knowledge of cricket, doesn't quite agree. He says he's, he's New Zealand should play for New Zealand. So you know. It's like the Graham Hicks thing from back in the day, I suppose, isn't it? And the yeah, festivals it, from South Africa. Cricket seems to have a different law and all this sort of things, isn't it? So, um, to be honest, half the England team hasn't been born in England back in the day, has it? With the best players, so. No, exactly. And we, you look at Joffrey Archer, who they far, managed to fast track the eligibility rules that they've made up themselves in order to get him in for the World Cup. So. He's one of your own, mate, though, John. Isn't he. Well, technically, yeah. It has been interesting. I did watch the uh, Sky. I've been doing uh, these great watch-alongs uh, over Easter. They did the Ashes test with Stokes uh, on 
uh, on Saturday, and then on Sunday they did the World Cup final uh, with loads of the players, and it was it was a really interesting watch. Uh, and as someone who didn't actually watch the World Cup final live, I actually quite enjoyed watching it. Yeah, some part of me thinks about it because you know, even though we have been employed by them, the BBC constantly banging on about old things, and you know, let's watch the World Cup final from or listen to the World Cup final or the Ashes series last year. I know they've got to feel content, but after a while, it's getting on my nerves a little bit. The constant, you've got to listen to this because it was so great. To be honest, what I've enjoyed more, I don't normally watch Match of the Day, but I've enjoyed Match of Their Day when I can watch old games of the uh, Match of the Day. So I think something that was just less than a year ago, you know, let that pie and then in five years we could get excited about that. But move on, you know, older stuff I think would be better. If they showed England against West Indies, 1984 when I was watching cricket when West Indies absolutely pulverised England I'd be all over that but I'm not that bothered of watching Ben Stokes even though it was fantastic because that's only last year and I remember that I, I think they should reminisce a bit more rather than jumping on the bandwagon if you know what I mean sort of thing yeah and I, I think Sky really added to it by having the, the main protagonist there talking about it I, I kind of had no interest in listening to Test Match Special going over it again but to, to hear Ben Stokes and say you know this is what I was thinking and, and during, when they were doing the Ashes one he was talking about when Nathan Lyons spilled the ball for that run out and he was standing there and he said the thing is, he said, I, I, as a professional sportsman, I feel so gutted for him. He said, I'm obviously delighted that we won the game. But looking at it from a professional point of view, I know how he, how he will have felt and I, I'm gutted for him. And I thought that really added to it. But, you know, just replaying stuff without any new analysis or hearing from the people who are in it, no, it doesn't do so much for me. Yeah, exactly. exactly what I was like. But again, if they showed maybe 1984 or something like that or an old Ashes from 80, the mid-80s, I would be all over that. But, I, you know, I know they've got, um, you've got to feel the things. Uh, so it just, it just wound me up a little bit. I don't know why. Maybe we're just miserable. <laughs> Possibly. What, what what have you been watching on the telly? Uh, we watched Killing Eve last night. I watched a couple of films that are on Amazon. Uh, the Festival with the guy from The Inbetweeners. Oh, right, yeah. Okay-ish. Again, there's only a certain amount of knob jokes you can actually use. So, on that basis and we watched Olympus has fallen which is Gerard Butler when he saves the world sort of thing um is there anything else I've been watching a couple of football do documentaries about West Ham come on West Ham so um yeah that's about it really uh, what we're gonna I want to watch the quiz which is I thought it was on last night wouldn't it the uh the one about the who wants to be a millionaire so I'll try and catch up with that but not much really it's just sort of uh, and a lot of come dine with me. I like come dine with me as well. So we've been watching that. So. I am. Um, uh, we watched uh, the the first of the quiz last night. It was it was pretty good. We've also watched the Nest on BBC One. Don't know if you've seen that one. Uh, the guy from the um, uh, Line of Duty. Line of Duty. Yeah, yeah. No, I haven't seen that. But people are raved about that one as well. But yeah, we yeah, that. that was that was a, a pretty good watch. And, and um, I'm I'm sort of ashamed to to admit this one, but. Uh, We've kind of got into a habit of watching a, a, a few things. Um, so at the moment, things that are dominating our watching are um, cruising with Jane McDonald. Should um, we go on a cruise? Well, this is the thing. Like one of us quite wants to, and one of us isn't that bothered. So uh, it's an interesting insight into uh, in, into the life on a cruise ship. Uh, and we've also. Where do you stand on the? Cruise? I am 
of the mindset that perhaps it's not for me. Uh, but w as I watch it more and more, I think, do you know what? The, the, the only thing that really bothers me is one, it's a lot of money. And two, it can be a bit pretentious with the, all the gala dinners and all that. If I'm going on holiday, I don't want to put a tux on. I want to just m mess around in shorts and flip flops. Um, well, the thing is you could be next to me for, in the next room next door just oh, hello how are you again and then you get latched under people and i don't want to do that that's the concern as well when i go on cruising yeah exactly people who, are, who go on cruising and i wouldn't want to spend time with them no um the other things that we've been watching are on uh, the channel that uh, i'm sure you've watched a bit a bit of a tlc it's, they have say yes to the dress on it i know you're a fan of that um we've been watching extreme couponing <laughs> And I'd be all over that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is um, people in America who somehow get all these uh, coupons out of magazines and stuff, and they go and they get like six hundred and fifty dollars worth of shopping, run all these coupons through, and pay them ten quid at the end. Wow, I'd be all yeah. over that. Yeah. Buy a load of magazines, dear. Yeah, loads of magazines, and there's some coupons whereby if they if they show this coupon, the shop will double it. So they end up like there, there's something, for example, it's like it w would be ninety cents. It's reduced to fifty cents. They've got a fifty percent coupon, but they're going to double it as well. So I don't even understand how these shops keep going, but it's 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 fascinating to watch. Uh, I'll be quite interested in that sort of thing. You know, I love a yellow sticker. Exactly. And the other thing we've started watching is um, Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> it does what it says on the tin does it basically yeah this woman squeezes people's spots and and gets lipomas out of their bodies and stuff it's uh quite gruesome but but oddly entertaining it's amazing what the challenge is. well i do say with the kids at home they watch some absolute drivel the kids a lot of american <laughs> rubbish but they must have watched about 500 times they come in and goes haven't you watched this yeah yeah we're watching it again so a lot of iCarly and stuff like that with them oh. Uh, Ariana Grande is in one of these programs, and she just, she, her voice just grates me on it. So, um, yeah, but hopefully, well, we're in for another lockdown for another three weeks, they believe, isn't it? So, which does take me up to when I go back to work. So, um, yeah, I would have thought maybe Monday the 4th, maybe certain pieces can go back. So, we'll wait and see. But, yeah, oh, yeah unfortunately for you, John, I wouldn't have thought hotels are going to be top of their priority, are they? No, I wouldn't have thought so. We're, we're even now getting cancellations of bookings for May for August, so uh, that's looking pretty bleak. But as, as I've always said, hopefully, once this all dies down, people will be wanting to get away. They'll be wanting a break. They'll be thinking, nope, it's, it's time. Especially people who've been working from home solidly, they'll be owed holidays and things like that. So hopefully, people will say, right, let's get ourselves down to the coast and come down to Eastbourne. So um, hopefully, that will be the case. Anyway, let's move on then and talk about some football. Uh, plenty going on still. We still don't know what's going on with the National League, um, but we do know that the uh, the decision to end uh, the Isthmian League and the Scaffold has been completely confirmed by the FA. There's been a statement issued by the Scaffold this week. Uh, they were not best pleased, it is safe to say, by the final resolution uh, statement saying uh, we were part of a conference call uh, our league put forward the view at this time of season that the season should be resolved on a points per game basis. We form this opinion on the basis that success should be rewarded. A lot of hard work has gone into players, 
season by players, supporters, club officials. Indeed, there are a number of clubs outside the league that have expressed an interest in joining for next season through the proper channels and their hard work should not be forgotten. Uh, no vote was taken by the leagues. It's true to say that opinions were divided across the country and the league's committee then took, took the decision to make the, the season uh, null and void. Um, we know this will be an unwelcome conclusion to the season for many of our clubs. A number of whom voiced their opinions directly to the FA. Um, so that is uh, the, the, where the scaffolds stand and, and fair play to them for getting their, their point of view uh, out there. We're going to hear now from a chairman of a scaffold club. Uh, Sheppey United were uh, near the top of the table when the season came to an end. That wise consensus was that they had the best running uh, of teams that were left. And uh, it... it it seemed like they might have a chance of sneaking in uh, at the end to, to a promotion spot. Uh, so this morning I caught up with their chairman, Matt Smith, and I started, of course, by asking him how he and his family were. Yeah, we're all safe and well. Try not to kill each other at the moment as we enter the third week. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's all fine, all fine and well, yeah. Good, good. Um, so from a football point of view, um, you say that it made your blood boil when they said that the, the season was over. It, it, it seemed like it, it was such a rash decision. To be honest, in, in the time we find ourselves, it, it kind of pales into insignificance now, doesn't it? it? At the time of writing that, yeah, I felt that way. But the more and more I see on the news, it just makes me realise football has taken a backseat to everything, really. But... In terms of the decision, I know lots has been written and said about the fact that clubs uh, are going to take the FA to court, all, all of this sort of stuff. But I, I don't think they had any other choice, to be honest. The only bit that I felt could have been done is the points per game uh, ratio, which I think would have helped. And I was an advocate of that, even though it meant we wouldn't have gone up. I, I think it was, I think Beckenham and Corinthians should feel very hard done by, and I'm, I'm sure they do. And, and for me, I just can't believe they, they have done it and not gone on points per game. I suppose as a, as a chairman, someone who's put a lot of blood, sweat, tears, time, money into a football club over the past season, it must be frustrating that they've now just said, actually, it was all for nothing. It's very frustrating. Uh, I've been in communication with a number of chairmen and, yeah, we're all very, very frustrated. I think for me, I'm, I'm waiting for some clarifications from the FA on players' contracts because... Although the season's null and void, contracts still continue. So you have to continue players that are paying players that are under contract. There's there's the, the issue with the players' contracts from this year. They roll on into next year. I'm waiting on confirmation from that because last year was null and void. Therefore, it didn't happen. So there's a number of things that just need, well, final thoughts on really and their final decisions. Uh, we see that a lot of people are saying clubs are, are going to go to the wall because of this. Can, can you understand people's concerns? I mean, we will say Sheppard are a really well-run club and obviously you've got a great supporter base, but there must be concerns. There's always concerns and I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for a number of clubs. We're, we're quite lucky in that we, we've got that, that backup, that financial backup that, that we were able to put money in, but the, the bills still have to be paid and, and with no income coming in, and for us, just like any other step five, step four, step three side, generally we host cup finals in April. And we've lost out on, I think we had seven or eight at our ground. And we've lost out on that income and, and that's massive. But we, we've got reserves at the club and, and that's what we're having to eat into. We've continued to play out, pay our contracted players despite not pay, playing. And also all the bills 
ready for starting next season. Obviously, the groundsman still has to do his bit. We still have to do the pitch renovations. You know, it, it doesn't stop just because the football stopped. The, the club still continues to run. So I am concerned for, for lots of clubs. I, I just think next season will be a different uh, a different level for all teams because I don't think that the money is going to be as, as, as rich as it was this year in, in our league, to be honest. Do you look at clubs higher up the pyramid taking advantage of government schemes and think that's a bit rich? Of course, yeah. I, I do think, that, yeah, the less I say about that, the better probably. <laughs> I think furloughing players is a bit of rich when, you know, uh, sorry, furloughing their staff and, and not players is a bit rich when we've all paid in. But the bit I would say, I do think, Footballers are being tarnished very badly in that, in that they're the only ones that people are saying, well, why don't they take the pay cut and all of this. There's a lot of other people who earn lots and lots of money in this country that don't get pulled out by Matt Hancock. Do you know what I mean? And and I do feel for players in that respect because it shouldn't just be them that take a pay cut, should it? Let's be honest. It, if you're earning that sort of money, it should be the, the whole country, not just footballers. They shouldn't be victimised because of it. Have you had to have any sort of difficult conversations with sponsors and, and, and things because obviously they've paid for a certain number of games to have their boards there and, and be on the shirts and things like that? I think as a club we've had conference calls, all, all of that sort of stuff because we're looking ready for next season. So we're talking about discounts for season ticket holders, how we deal with that, with the two games they missed out on, how we deal with sponsors and everything like that. So we're in communication with them sponsors and I know the commercial directors doing that as we speak and I think we're looking at discounted prices for next year but most of the people we speak to want to support the club therefore they want to pay what's due because they want the club to continue and they want to financially support the club as much as they can and and that's the key for me really and, I, and when I talk about the season that never was I'm, I'm just frustrated for not only our players but our supporters as well, that they didn't get a chance to, to see the team fulfil potentials and, and, and play the cup final against Corinthians. Hopefully, it sounds like they might still keep that going, but who knows. But I, I just feel very frustrated for our supporters as well as our players. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, my next question was going to be, we should be sitting here on Tuesday the 14th of April saying on Sunday, is your third Kent Senior Trophy final in five seasons? So, you know, that would have been something to really look forward to. It definitely would, Johnny. <laughs> and, and for me, and lots of people I talk to say Sheffield United haven't done very well over the last few years. But as you just said there, we, we've been in the Kent Senior Trophy three seasons out of the last five. And bear in mind, one of those seasons, we didn't even compete in it because we were in the Kent Senior Cup. So of the four years we've been in it, we, we've actually got to the final three times. So we've got a very good record in the Kent Senior Trophy. But it's... It's just so frustrating, everything that's happening. But the, the world we're living in at the moment, we're, we're having these unprecedented times and we, we just have to wait and see and see what happens and what's going to happen with next season, when it starts, if it starts. It's just all up in the air, isn't it, at the moment? Do you think if the season had continued, you'd, you'd have snuck into the top two? Uh, yes, I do. But I would say that. I'm chairman of Sheffield United tonight. Uh, I, I think... With the games we had left to play and the teams we were left to play, we, we, we should have been in amongst that top two. I, I think champions would have been a bit steps too far. I think we'd have been in a playoff against the step four side, which would have been fantastic for all the supporters and, and the hard work the players have put in over the season, as well as the managers. 
And I suppose now it's just a case of, of looking ahead to next season, even though you don't know when it's going to be. That's exactly what it is, John. I've already had calls with uh, Ernie and John, the, the management team here, and we're talking about retention of players for next year. And I, I believe 90% of the squad have, have almost committed. But again, until you get the paperwork out and it's all signed, sealed and delivered, you never know. So from us, we're, we're quite positive going into next season whenever that will be and I, I just hope it, it does start again in August but who knows it's it's in the lap of the gods at the moment but I just I just want to get back to football and a bit of normality to be honest yeah and you want to see those people packing into to Sheffield United you're so lucky to have such a great fan base aren't you oh we are but to be honest I, I, it's, it's unreal from when I come to the club and, and we first starting back what seven or eight years ago now it, it, it's been unbelievable and, and and they're the reason they're, they're the actual club everyone says oh the players this that the other the supporters make any football club and we're so lucky to have the, the passion do you know what i mean you, i don't know if you've been over to the ground i think you have i have yeah it's a real family atmosphere there's real do you know what i mean we we try and include everyone and, and the supporters have been unreal and especially this year i've been talking to our analysis guy who's going to start to upload all of last season's games onto our TV channel thing on YouTube. So hopefully that'll keep the supporters and get them in the mood ready for next year when that's all uploaded, hopefully later on this week. You can sense the frustration, can't you, Matt? Yeah, again, I think you come out of it pretty well, saying the points per game was a, was a good thing that they wanted to use. It felt they should have been used. Didn't think they would get promoted, but... The benefits of doing that, if they get through it, they might have had a chance in the, in the playoffs. So yeah, I can see the frustration thing. Clearly, he's got the the best remit of the club in mind or the best the club are talking to sponsors, etc. like that. You know, looking at that, if I was a Sheffield United fan, I wouldn't be concerned about uh, the future of the club. It seems to be in very healthy hands. And it's interesting if the Scaffold have come out with that statement, which I thought was quite a, a decent statement as well. You know, they, they feel with along with the majority of the clubs that maybe the... They should have been handled a little bit better. And I, and I do feel for clubs, the, as you mentioned, the blood, sweat and tears and more importantly, the money got into this has just been wiped out. So I really feel for them. But Sheppey are in a good club. So I think they're going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, Sheppey, one club who, if it had gone to points per game, would have lost out. But he was still saying, I, I think that's what they should have done. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a wise decision. Um, I still can't see the remit behind it. Um particularly as we think that might happen with the National League going forward if, if, on that one, at the points of games could decide it. And I don't know why football, particularly in the non-league game as well, I think the National League have done a little bit of a vote. We'll probably discuss that in a minute. The non-league game is quite a pivotal part of the football in, in pyramid and this sort of thing. Why didn't the whole system do it? If they're going to null and void that league, should they be null and void in the uh, National League? Or does that show there's a massive split between the National Leagues and the rest of the pyramid, which for me is more of a concern? Yeah, it does show a, a, a real sort of lack of respect, I think, to to the other leagues and everything like that. Because I just think that, you know, as I've said all the way through, and, and I said to, to Matt as well, you know, the, the, the top leagues, I understand it's different. It's all about sponsorship. It's all about money. It's all about TV deals. But if the top leagues are going to be restarting and, and the word on the street is that the Football League and the Premier League may restart on the 6th of June or something like that with a 56-day with a window to finish the season. So 
if they're going to do that, then why can't all the rest of our, our leagues do that? And, and I know there's complications over player contracts and things like that, but you can find a way of, of making a... Um, you know, making a, making it work because these are unprecedented circumstances. But what is really frustrating, as far as I'm concerned, is that they've just said, nope, that's it, game over, see you later. Thank, thanks for all your effort, but don't worry about it. Uh, and that is a, a bitter pill to swallow for, for clubs. And, you know, we've been doing this podcast for three seasons now, or, well, technically two, seeing as one of them didn't count. Um, but we've spoken to so many people who are so passionate about football. And then for the FA, who nine times out of ten don't give a monkeys about what's going on in the scaffold to come out and say actually do you know what don't bother about it i think that's a, a really tough thing uh, it does i know that there's complications for everything on this but it does for me feel like why have they done that and if the fa have got a part of it the national league which is classed as a non-league why didn't they null and void that have they got no power in that or is the national league got more power than the other league so uh, for that basis, the National League, they've said to vote to end it, but they may have something as well. I th- from what I was reading, it is the clubs can vote to end the league. Talk about the National League now, end the season as we are. But there could be a vote going forward after that about having a relegation playoff, as that work, or carrying on the promotion playoffs. But it seems that there's a, a real massive divide between the non-league game here, which I don't know if the FA have caused that or that's been caused by the National League having too much power. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's all about um, who's controlling what. And I think the National League are sort of separate entity, a bit like the Football League are a separate entity and the um, and the Premier League are obviously a separate entity. And, and I guess they come under p- perhaps a, a different banner th- than everything below that. Yeah, well, I, I presume it probably is now. Again, I can see the National League. They want to stay in with the Football League because they don't want to lose the, the t- sides getting up their two promotion places. And we could say they should have more than two. So I can see why they're doing it from there. But that, I don't know how they're going to work that out. If Because what I'm led to believe is all the National League clubs get one vote, but there's only four votes for the National League and North and South. So clearly the, the National League has the power on this. How many clubs will vote to end it? I presume they'll vote to end it, but I've got no idea how they're going to work the play a relegation playoff or promotion playoff does everybody get a game or like dover my dover in 11th place probably not going to go up not going to go down do they say all right dover and maybe uh woking you don't have to worry about the rest of the season the rest of them are carrying on got absolutely no idea and i don't no, know clearly they probably haven't either because there's been a lot of criticism of the uh, managerial structure of the national league over this I think it's one of those things, and, and I'm not getting into the bigger political landscape of all of this, but, you know, this is all so unprecedented that, you know, no one knows what to do. And, you know, it's easy to, to sling around criticism uh, over uh, personal protective equipment and uh, how quickly we reacted to things. But, you know, it's something that we weren't expecting. And, and it's the same in football. You know, it is one of those things whereby, you know, if, if someone had said in August, right, you're not going to be playing after the middle of March, then you would look at it and, and do things differently at, at the outset. But we got to this stage and there's nothing you can do, is there? No, again, it's just absolutely crazy of where everything's going or whatever we're doing. But I'm thinking now because if even if the National League is have to play behind closed doors, National League maybe should say solidarity with the rest of the non-league game and call it quits as well. Even though I don't particularly agree with it, I think the the points per game should have been used. I think that maybe the National League should have standed firm with that. Maybe some of the chairman 
do want to do that. But um, there may be other clubs who are looking at it a different way. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, I think the problem is, is whatever happens, people are going to have reason to be upset, you know, and, and it, it is one of those awful situations that, you know, none of us ever wanted to be in. Uh, and it is, but, but it is just, it is one of those things. And, you know, we, we've got to just find a way. And yeah, people are going to be upset. Uh, people are going to disagree. I mean, certainly I disagree with what's happened at steps three to six, but that doesn't mean when the season does start, next season starts, that I'm going to say, right, well, we're not bothering with it anymore. We're still going to be here doing a podcast. It's just a matter of, you know, you, you just got to get on with it. And, and I think that's what's going to have to happen at, at the top levels as well. Although, I mean, if they do say that the Premier League's null and void, I'm looking forward to the uh, to the riots in the uh, in the uh, northwest, shall we say. Well, I think I think I read it somewhere because... Clearly, the Premier League hasn't got any insurance on this because one of the golf tournaments, the golf, golf Open, which is causing Kent and Sandwich, they or Wimbledon, one of them, haven't got insurance, have got insurance in place for a pandemic. And that's why they can cancel it and not rearrange it because they can afford to do it. I think I read somewhere, I don't know how true this was, that um, Wimbledon had paid, the, the tennis tournament had paid like two million a year over the last 25 years or something, again, saying insurance for a pandemic of course it's going to work out and they're going to be paid about 150 million pounds to do it so clearly the premier league hasn't got uh, any insurance in this and they're forced to do it because they'll lose loads of money i'm sure if they'd have been insured they may have well called it off but as we said before in the premier league money talks so i'll be interested to see how it does all work from this and i see john they did say as well that the three o'clock game tv games were now available to be live on the telly on a Saturday afternoon. So if the National League does kick off again, you know, three o'clock on a Saturday, it's the first game of the Premier League. How many people are going to go to the games? Because they think, I might as well stay and watch Man United v Brighton or something live on the telly. That's probably a concern for the National League and the other league as well, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, but that might have an effect. But I, I think, you know, there are a certain number of people like yourself, Matt, who wouldn't cross the road to watch Manchester United, but but would go to Crabble. Yeah, but I think my other concern is, of course, the, the hype that will be built up over this in the media as well. The Premier League's back. Premier League, you've got to make sure you watch it, etc. like that. May may look at the National League and the, maybe the Football League and say, well, you don't want to watch that. You want to carry on watching this. But um We'll have to wait and see if it does happen. Yeah, we certainly will. Uh, we'll move on then. Um, as you know, regular listeners, we've been asking uh, certain local football personalities uh, our list of questions uh, about non-league football. And this week into the hot seat uh, is Nathan Elder, uh, currently assistant manager of Hyde. Well, do you know what? I'm not actually going to go through his spiel because Matt started the spiel absolutely brilliantly when he spoke to Nathan Elder yesterday. Uh, so I'll just run this from the start. So here is... Uh, Nathan Elder talking to Matt yesterday to answer our questions about non-league football. Yeah, delighted to have on the phone uh, a bit of a Kent non-league footballing legend, Nathan Elder, who's played for the likes of Dover, Ebsleep, Maidstone, Sittingbourne, now assistant manager at Hythe. First of all, Nathan, you did have the virus as well earlier, or back end of March and April. How are you doing now? No, I'm completely fine now, you know. I got through, um, got through it really well. Um, it was a bit of a weird time because I think I probably learned more about because I'm I'm not, I'm not really a city ill kind of person. I'm I, you know I never take a day off work. I'm always I'm always kind of in and amongst it. And it was the first time I'd been ill for a long time, so it was yeah it was a strange time. But yeah, got through it and um, yeah feeling really good now. Really good. Did you have any hospital treatment or were you just at home? Were you? 
No, no, I did have some hospital treatment as well. Um, basically, what had happened is I caught the virus, but it also led to an infection. So I ended up having quite a bad chest infection and a bit of sickness of it, the stomach bug as well. Um, so I went to the hospital, uh, they put me on a drip and they gave me some antibiotics. And to be fair, after about five days, it, um, it cleared up really well, but it really gave me a good understanding of, you know, kind of if you're elderly or if you're vulnerable, how much it can affect you. Because I'm, you know, I'm quite a fit lad. Do you know what I mean? I've been involved in fitness pretty much from as far back as I can remember. <clears throat> so when it hit me, it, did, uh, it really gave me a bit of an understanding how some people can probably be really suffering from it. Oh, yeah, well, glad you're, you're on the other side now. I think I'm probably missing a football. As I mentioned, you're a bit of a Kent non-league legend playing for a lot of Kent sides in the game. First of all, yeah. what do you love about non-league football? If I'm going to be honest, it's, it's really good because you, you find quite a few rare uncut gems in non-league football. There's, there's players that haven't had the training or haven't been in, haven't been scholars or haven't been for academies um, like myself. And when you do see someone you know, who hasn't got that background in football from the get-go, make it, it's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. I'm always kind of looking out for players that I might have played with in the past or that we even play against now to see if you think that person's got the attributes. It, 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 don't get me wrong, it always takes a bit of luck as well. Um, but to see like the core attributes and to see that person make it from non-league to league football, I think is it's one of my favourite things, without doubt. Of course, you made that you at Billericay went into the league with Brighton. How did that come about? Was it? Did you think so? It was in the in the in the offering. Scouts were looking at you, or is this one of those? You know, not saying it's lucky, but you were spotted at the right time. I'll, I'll be honest. I think there was a lot of hard work that went into it. I was a bit cocky at that age as well. When I look back on it, and you know, I remember I used to play against a lot of my friends, and I used to tell them how many goals I was going to score before the game was already started. Like that, that was my, my confidence was really, really high at that young age because I was enjoying it so much. But there was a huge element of luck there as well, um, if I'll be honest. I mean, the story behind it, I'll, I'll tell you what basically happened. So the week before, or a couple of weeks before, um, it was my girlfriend's birthday and I took her away for her birthday over the weekend. And instead of telling my manager that I was going away for a weekend, I said I had to work. <laughs> Wrong move, obviously, at Billy Ritchie. And, um, yeah, somehow it got back to him. And then when I got back, he, you know, he called me into his office and he said to me, you know, where was you over the weekend? And I said, I was at work. And he said, look, I'm going to suspend you for a week until you tell me the truth. And I was like, oh, all right, do you know what? Told him the truth, told him, just was really honest about it. And he suspended me for a week and I had to pay a fine. And, um, you know, I got over it completely fine. Um, but I remember the chairman at the time really wasn't too happy with me because uh, I've missed a game. I think we'd lost a game that we should have won and, you know, it's a bit tough. Anyway, next game I was involved in was against Worthing, which is down by Brighton. And I didn't know they had the Brighton scout there, but they had about three loanees from Brighton playing for Worthing at the time. Um, and I played out of my skin. I really wanted to prove a point. Sort of like, you know, I can't believe they find me. It was my own fault, but I was, you know, trying to prove a point. And I scored a couple of goals, um, and played played a pretty decent game and then after that the same scout come and watched me for the next two games after that um, and then put an offer into to Billy Ricky. but yeah you never know if, if I hadn't gone away for that weekend and got suspended you never know if I'd have played the way I played against Worthing the next time out do you know what I mean so yeah there was an element of luck there as well Who's the best player in the non-league you think you've played with? 
you know what? As soon as you mention this, I had to start reading off. There's, there's, there's so many. There's so, so many that I've kind of played with. I, I must say the most natural finisher I've probably ever played with is Charlie McDonald. Mm. Um, obviously played with him in league football. Now he's playing non-league as well. Um, for me, absolutely most natural finisher. Um without a shadow of a doubt left foot right foot you can't take your eyes off him so I'd probably put him in there as far as non-league goes at the moment um, Mitchell Pinnock uh, Mitch, sorry not Mitchell Mitch Pinnock um, his free kicks are just a joke I've seen him score goals and genuinely wonder how they went in or how they went past anybody um, so he, he's another one as well very 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 good natural finisher from outside the box but I've, I've got to be honest there's loads <laughs> There's loads of players that I, I do really, really rate. I have to say, if you follow yourself on Twitter, you, you get a lot of love from former teammates as well, and that must be really pleasing for you because uh, it was your birthday recently, and you know, me being a Dover fan, you're a bit of a folk hero where we were, but you know, I don't see any other player you played with. There's a bad word to say about you. Did you? Would you say you were you were sort of king of the dressing room and bringing people together? best player you've played against then a, a hard centre half who's given you a bit of a torrid time um, would it be would it be pro or would it be non well both ways both ways really whatever you think there was I, I remember you know when I first signed for Brentford actually and we was on a really good run we, you know we the, the season before we just avoided relegation and then the new season he brought a couple of couple of players in and um, kind of tested to see, see how they got on and they gelled really, really well. And we played against Bradford and I remember there was um, there was a centre-half for Bradford and we played at home. I'm telling you, as a striker, every single thing I tried to do, he just nullified. Tried to head it, he beat me. Tried to draw a foul, he'd step off. He, his reading of the game was just ridiculous and um, actually, you know what I was sitting there trying to remember his name for, for quite a while I can't remember but, but at the time I remember that was one game I, I got subbed after about 60 minutes mm-hmm. and I remember sitting on the bench I was thinking oh, I don't know if this football thing is for me <laughs> he affected me he affected me that much that I, I genuinely started questioning whether it was the right idea but you know outside of that um I trained with a guy called Leon Legg, who now plays for Port Vale, mm-hmm. and he came up from non-league as well. He was at Tombridge, actually. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Um, he's he's a decent league, right? Animal. 
when you when you even his presence on like corners and stuff like that, you're always thinking, oh, for God's sake, don't mark me, like leave me out, let, let someone else mark me or something like that, because you know he's got a tremendous attitude. He, he's a he's a winner without a shadow of a doubt. His stature is is a joke. He can move his feet a lot a lot nowadays, and his his tackles are solid. And he's one. He's one of those no-nonsense centre-halves that you don't really get anymore. And that's not being disrespectful to a lot of the centre-halves out there, but I just think for him as a, as a player, especially training with him and seeing his progression, I was literally talking about this the other day, but seeing his progression, I'd put him up there as one of the best centre-halves I've played against, definitely. Best goal you ever scored? That one, from a Dover point of view, I was commentating on the game when they beat Ebsleet. He's <laughs> left Ebsleet, it goes down. It's, 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 it's coming up again, and I know that... The Dover fans show you a bit of love on there. That may be your favourite goal, but what is what's the best goal you've ever scored? That, that's you're you're completely spoiled. That's my favourite goal, without a shadow of a doubt. I, you know, members of my family in the crowd, and I, my neighbours were in the crowd and everything. Like it was, it was that's the best best one I've ever felt. But I'd probably say um, playing for Tombridge, um, playing Tombridge away. We were playing against. Um, it might have been Leaston I'm pretty sure it was Leaston but this is the worst part about it by the way this is the best goal I've ever scored and it's the only time they didn't record the game <laughs> so I've actually got no proof that this happened but I can promise you it did happen so um, we had Jack Parter on the left out, left back um, he dinked it into me I was just outside the box back to goal he dinked it into me and I've chested it to the side and volleyed it um, into the left-hand side of the goal um, and just ran off and celebrated. Straight away, that was like the best goal. I, I don't even know where I was going, having the audacity to try and hit a volley from there. But it, it went in um, and went a bit mad. And yeah, afterwards, I was like, oh, you know, anyone got a DVD? And I was like, no, we don't record games. And I, I literally said, this is the only game of the season you lot don't record. <laughs> and that happens, but I promise you it happens. I promise you it happens. Oh, I believe you on that. What about the funniest thing you've ever seen on a football pitch? Honestly, I've ever seen in the football fields. Um, I don't know. Honestly, that's a that's a good question. I'll have to have a little think about that one. I mean, let's see. I've seen people. You know, I, I remember. I, I think for me, uh, it might have even been. I've heard. Do you know what? I haven't got one of the funniest things I've seen, but I have got something that I've heard. I think. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm with a lot of lads that played for Maidstone um, and kind of had that sort of era. And they were telling me about a story at the end of the season. They played a game, you know, it didn't really mean anything. They played a game and they all had a coin. And the objective was whoever held that coin at the end of the game had to buy a round of drinks for the entire team. Mm. So, game's going on. Obviously, you're marking people. But whenever you're next to your, you know, one of your players, you give them the coin. And that literally was going on for about 45 minutes. And it was literally moving around, moving around, moving around until it ended on someone at the end of the game. And then uh, that person had to buy a round of drinks for the, for the entire team. So, but I don't think I've actually seen anything too funny, I think, on a football pitch. Yeah, you're currently um, assistant manager at Hive with Steve Watt there. Yeah. Do you have a job outside of football as well? Yes, yes. I work in the city. I work in... Um, I actually work in recruitment, working with special needs schools. Right. So working with schools that deal with autism and uh, quite a few other special needs 
yeah, I work in recruitment. Um, and how do you relax? I know you've got a few kids who are eating your house, out of house and home at the moment, but how do you try and relax away from the football pitch? I suppose you want to get back on it now, but how do you relax away from the game? Um, at the moment, my relaxation comes from going food shopping. But, <laughs> um, but, but I mean, you know what? Relaxing wise, it, it sounds kind of weird, but football is kind of my my area to, to switch off from everything else. I mean, I think, you know, I, I have a lot of conversations with what he was the manager, um, and Boofy as well, who's, who's one of the coaches, and we, you know, we chat about players that we're looking at, we chat about, you know, what our objectives are and that is actually as weird as it sounds that's probably probably part of my relaxation to go to football to go to training to set things up and that's that's, I think probably one of the reasons we are missing it as much as as much as we are because it is our little bit of a getaway sort of thing Um, but yeah outside of that I gym gym quite a bit I like to go to the gym Um, and I'd, I'd probably say those are my two vices really gym and football you mentioned about high there of course the the league was was classed as null and void did you think that was the right decision from where from where you are from a point of view I don't think they really have much if I'm honest I don't really think they have much choice I think especially in non-league because you know they haven't got the bundles of cash that you know the league well not even league clubs but you know the clubs that are quite up there have got you know we're not we're not talking national league we're, we're, we're talking you know third, fourth fifth steps and I think I don't really think you've got a choice in that because to relegate a club when they've got a chance to get out of it or to promote a, a club that you're not knowing if someone else could have made the playoffs, I think that's a really big deal to a lot of fans and as well as a whole football club I, I don't I, you know I was trying to think of you know how how many other options were there I mean you know we could have we could have made the playoffs I mean, we, you know, we were, don't get me wrong, complete outsiders at the end of it, but we could have technically made the playoffs. So to see, to see them say, okay, cool, we'll promote the the top two here right here right now, you kind of think that's not really fair to third, fourth, fifth, and then, you know, you look at the other end of the table, the, the lads that were near relegation or, you know, you're not East Grinstead and, you know, the Ramsgates and stuff like that, you, you sort of think, well, I don't know, they could have got out of it as well. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I don't really see any other choice. Finally, um, you've had a decent career. Who would you say the biggest influence throughout your career has been? Oh, the biggest influence. I like that one. I like that one. Um, my biggest influence, uh, 100%, would probably be Andy Scott at Brentford. Uh, I had a tough time at Brighton. Um, when I signed at when I signed my pro contract, I was working, you know, your standard nine to five, and I never, you know, sat there and thought, wow, I really want to be a footballer, I really want to be a footballer, but when it happened, I was like, right, embrace it, go for it, do the best you can. So when I went down to Brighton, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, I've kind of gone into League One football, um, no agent, so I didn't really have, you know, there wasn't much advice that I could really go by, apart from what I was learning day by day. And I did lose a little bit of love for it at Brighton because I was just playing reserve football rather than first-team football. But when I went to Brentford, he was the type of manager that kind of, you know, if he saw a problem, he'd pull you to the side and have a chat. And I'm, you know, I probably needed that at, at you know, 21, 22. Um, I probably needed that little bit of advice and that little bit of an arm round. And after that, he kind of set the bar for me and I really enjoyed it after that. After that, I enjoyed it, and I think you know, getting promoted was kind of the icing on the cake. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have to put him in. There. Oh,
brilliant chat that is, Matt. I, I must admit, I, I wasn't. I've not spoken to Nelson Ada before, uh, and I perhaps wasn't expecting to be as as as, as eloquent as as he was. Yeah, as I said in the interview, there, everybody. If, if you follow him on social media, he's quite dry sense of humour and talking about his career and also about the players he's played with. But uh, even though I said in the interview there that everybody that you know you speak to him has not got a bad word to say about him. And then he clearly said there might be some people out there, but he's very, very highly respected at all the clubs he's been to. He was at Ebsleet. He was at Dover, of course. He's a bit of a legend there for scoring that goal. At Tunbridge, he banged him in for a couple of seasons. Very highly thought of a quick loan spell at Maidstone. Sittingbourne, when he was with Chris Lynch, again, I thought he came across quite well when he did the job there and he was learning on the trade. So, again, he's probably got in the top 10 of one of the nicest men in football, John, from that. And I really enjoyed uh, talking to him. He's down to earth, and I think uh, Hyde, you know, had a difficult start to the season, but under Steve Watt and Nathan Elder, who are good football people, know this thing, good in the dressing room, they could be a good season. But it was lovely to speak to Nathan Elder, and I say he'll go down in Dover folklore as, as it continues uh, for that goal against Epsley. Yeah, I'm glad to hear, obviously, at the, at the very top of that, that he's on the mend after uh, contracting the, the, the coronavirus, but very early in, in, in the piece. Yeah, yeah, as he mentioned, yeah, you've got to be careful because he was a very he's fit and it's really knocked him for six and he had to go to hospital. So, yeah, it, it, it was, you know, quite sobering that, um, that what he said from that, just got to make sure you're careful. So don't keep going outside. Listen to the Kenton League podcast if, uh, if you are getting a little bit bored and spread the word for the pod. Yeah, I mean, there are 118 other episodes for you to listen to if, you, if you've if you just stumbled across this uh, for the first time. By the way, normally I do mention... Um, uh, what things about the number of the episode? Yeah, well, this is our 119th episode, but uh, do you know what? It's all just really dull mathematical stuff and emergency numbers, and I'm fed up with that. I'm looking forward uh, to, t- to turning over into a, a new lot next week when we do 120. Uh, I've got a few things from the Nathan Elder interview, Matt, that I want to bring up. Um, first of all, I looked deep into soccer base to find this Bradford defender. Can't find any record of that game, so I, I don't know if he meant someone else or, uh, or 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 who he was up against, but I couldn't find any record of him having uh, being hooked against Bradford in the first or early in the in the piece. Yeah, but interesting said about that. But you could see him when he described himself being on the bench, doubting himself. He's one of the players that gives hundred and ten percent, and that must have hurt him. And that was probably quite a brave thing to say to him, that because of course he'd gone to non-league, went to Brighton, didn't really work out for him, went to Brentford there. You know, you probably think, you know, I'm playing League One, League Two football here. I've made it. But then there's always somebody a little bit better than him. And that probably worked in his career a little bit longer. And clearly it's worked. It's been a burning hole in him saying this player has been caused me um, problems before. And maybe I'm sure when the going got tough, he probably thought back to that game. So, right, I have scored goals. I can do it again. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, this goal at, at least and that he scored. I, funny enough, did the toilet roll challenge like you did, and I did eighty-seven uh, keep ups. But do you know what? Unfortunately, no one was recording it. So incredible. Did you do all the little flip overs and things like that? Yeah. It was honestly, it was it was the greatest thing you've ever seen. I, I did it in the dining room of the B and B as well, but obviously there was no one here to witness it. And you know, just like Nathan Elder's goal at Leaston. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Great players, mate. As long as you've got that memory, mate, you can always uh, think about that, can't you? <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, before we started uh, recording this week's show, you told me that you had five questions you were going to ask me. Yeah, well, Yes, basically, I've been doing... Um, I did a football quiz. You know our good friend Tom Bird? I know, oh, do you know, he um, he asked me to... about. He told me about that quiz, and I completely forgot yesterday morning. Did a, he's, um does a quiz every Thursday, 
at the Cricketers Pub in Dover. You know the Cricketers Pub because it's right by the football ground. And I think you you knew that pub because you used to know somebody, girl who used to live down that road, didn't you? I did, yeah. We'll move on quickly from that. Yeah. Uh, so basically, he runs a quiz every Thursday and it's a popular quiz. And he does a normal quiz, like a pop music one. And he did a football one yesterday. And I really enjoyed it. Because um, I follow the... And we're doing it again this Saturday at three o'clock. See what's right. in there. And I've done the questions for it this week. Oh, blimey. So if anybody out there is bored Saturday at three o'clock, I think it's supposed to rain this weekend as well. Can you join the Cricketers Facebook page in Dover? There was thought I would do the quiz as well, but Tom is so good at the quiz. He will probably do it because he's got all the banter. So three o'clock on Saturday, Facebook, I will put it on social media and it'll be on the Kent Non-League podcast. We'll get, try and get as many people we can to do the quiz. The rounds, like a World Cup round, a nicknames round, a couple of non-league questions in there. But it's just normal football trivia. Great quiz, if you could do it. And, I, and Tom said to me, right, let's give John four quest, five questions that he can think about it. He can put on Twitter and see if our listeners know the answer to these. They're not particularly hard. Okay. Just be a thing from there. Right. I will email the questions after, John. Right. Okay. First question. You can think about this and you can tweet it out later. Name the four Kent sides that Roy Hodgson's Roy Hodgson, Roy, played for in his playing career. I'll say that question again. Name the four Kent sides that Roy Hodgson played for in his playing career. That's question right. number one. Yeah. Question number two. Who scored Ebbsfleet's winning goal when they won the FA Trophy back in 2008? Okay. Next question. Who were the strike partnership that fired Maidstone to the conference title and the Football League in 1989? Yeah. Next one. Easy one, this one. Who was the manager of Dover when they beat Gillingham in the FA Cup back in 2010? Yeah. And the final one. What year did Neil Cugley... What year was the first game that Neil Cugley had in charge of Folkestone Invicta? So what year was Neil Cugley appointed manager of Folkestone Invicta? I think I've got about two and a half of them, to be honest. So there you go. What I'll do is I will email you the, well, I won't email the answers, but you've got the, you can put it on social media, our questions, when the, when the pod's out. And if anybody comes back to us, and we will also um, advertise the cricketers quiz at on Saturday at three o'clock. I've done the questions. Probably not me being the um, thing. You've got to go on Facebook and log in to do it there. We'll explain that there, but from there, because everybody seems to be like doing a quiz there. So it's a, it's a few questions there, John, for you. You can try and work out the answers too. Yeah, um, I've been doing a few quizzes with some of my mates from uni, actually, which has been quite nice because, you know, a lot of them live in the north, so I haven't seen a lot of them for oh, several years. But we last week we did a TV quiz, and the TV quiz was ridiculously hard. Um, you needed very obscure knowledge of the office, uh, Iron Man and Partridge and Only Fools and Horses, uh, of which I had uh, a little bit of, of one of them and, and a little bit more of another one, but that was about it. Um, and then this week we did a music quiz, and uh, it was out of 150, and it was a, a lot of it was based around our time at university, but I ended up in second place with 102 points. We'll make Biffy Clyro one of the answers. They were not, actually, no. And, and um, funny enough, but the question master is one of my friends who I go and see Biffy with. So, you know, I was surprised that they didn't pop up. Uh, right, yeah, but a yeah, quiz is a, is a way. We we do a family quiz and my 
family as well on a, on a Sunday and I haven't been doing too good. The kids did well on the, on the Disney round, but um, I struggled a little bit on that. But it's, it's good to see from that. So I'll keep bowing on. For Saturday, uh, three o'clock, follow the Dover, follow the Cricketers Pub in Dover Facebook site. You'll see Tom Slugger and it's my questions that are on there. This so week. We'll so you might see me. You might see me. You might not. And you won't be taking part in this quiz. No, of course, no. Well, because I know the answer, because I did the question. Hey, you might have forgotten something. Yeah, yeah. But, but you, yesterday I did the quiz, and I, I think it was out of 200, and I got about 180, so I was quite impressed with myself. Nice. One, of the, one of the questions was, um, what did I get wrong? Well, the one that I didn't know, I couldn't give it. Who is the uh, most expensive player signed who hasn't got an England cap who's English? Did you know that? As a Premier League player, but um, I think I do know that. But I, is it Jordan Ibe? Uh, no, apparently it's Juan Bissaka, and I didn't even know he played for Man United. Oh. Um, so there was a good, some good questions in the in the quiz that um, uh, I enjoyed. So yeah, if you are on a Saturday afternoon board, hopefully you'll be there, John, listening to these couple of quality questions. I think there's two non-league ones as well in there, so um, we can do it. But yeah, everybody who's interested in a quiz. Tom is very good at he, he, Tom's good at the old Bob Monk house, so we'll deliver the questions. But Saturday afternoon, we'll put it on social medias. Uh, be a quiz done by myself, but um, uh, presented by Tom Bird, and you can see what Tom Bird looks like. One friend of the show, friend of mine. Uh, there you go. That sounds like a, a, the only reason you would want to, to tune in. And I must apologise to Tom because I did not even get back to his message. I saw it and I thought, I'll do that Monday. Uh, and then I it just completely went out of my head until yesterday afternoon. But uh, yes, thank you very much for those questions. Um, are they part of this quiz or are they just questions that have come up? Uh, th- no, no, they, this, this wasn't. Um, these were just questions that I uh, thought. Cause John, Tom loves a quiz. So he said, oh, give, him, give John some uh, five non-league Kent questions. So... Um, I've done. So there you go. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Matthew, for your time. Uh, And thank you uh, to Nathan Elder and Matt Smith for speaking to us uh, for this week's Kent Ronnie podcast. Um, As I say, there's no football going on, but hopefully we're somehow uh, alleviating some boredom that that some of you may be having out there, uh, getting you an hour's or 45 minutes or so's piece to just stick your headphones in and pretend that nothing else is going on around you. Um, Do keep indoors. Do stay safe. Do listen to the advice uh, about social distancing and uh, only go out if it's completely necessary because, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to get back to normality and the sooner we behave ourselves, the sooner that will happen. As always, you can find us on social media. Uh, on Twitter, we're at Kent NL Podcast. On Facebook, we are Kent Non-League. Uh, on uh, on Twitter, you can find me. I'm at John Phipps 81 That's J-O-N-P-H-I-P-P-S-8-1. And Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, he is a, a great retweeter. So I'm sure you'll be able to see retweets of the Ken Only podcast uh, and its content. Um, if you go on that, Matt, what are your plans for the week? Just uh, keeping the kids occupied? Well, they're supposed to go back to school on Thursday. So basically school work starts Thursday. Which That's quick. Yeah. Well, they've had about two weeks off because they finished on the first. So, ah, right. so, so, so yeah, yes, keep them amused. Um, find jobs around the house, really, because... Um, my daughter wants to play Barbies this afternoon so I might have to do that so there you go a bit of excitement for me yeah. 
Excellent. Lucky you. Well, I'll just be uh, sitting at home uh, and uh, trying to uh, not annoy Hayley too much. So, uh, wish me luck in that uh, crusade over the coming uh, over the coming week. And uh, yeah, thank you everybody for listening. As I say, thanks to our two guests uh, for chatting, and thanks to Matt Gerard as always for uh, for bravely putting uh, the Barbies to one side uh, and joining us for the Kent Only podcast. And also, uh, hopefully, this uh, episode is even better quality than last week's because we again continue to quote revolutionise uh, how we record uh, the Kent Only podcast and hopefully uh, this has all worked out for us uh, this week if not then there'll just be absolute silence and we'll have to do it all again tomorrow Matt there you go I'm off to I've got to think of a job John I've got to rearrange the crisp drawer again exciting oh wow what, what a time to be alive thanks everybody for listening and we'll speak to you all next week stay safe <laughs>